podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and it's match day, I'm joined once again by Laura Bradburn for the visit of Dundee to Celtic Park, Laura the teams are out, what's your thoughts? Um, a few surprises in there um, and certainly a few that that will not be popular choices but um, uh, I don't think I could have picked the team before the game, put it that way um, but I do think there's maybe uh one eye on today and one eye on Tuesday, which I completely understand. Um, and yeah, it's just, I think that's all sort of mixed together as well as the injuries and people coming back from injury that's all informed what is a kind of unconventional lineup looking today. Yeah, and this is the thing. For the whole week leading up to the game, we talk about our knacks on Bulletin, Laura. Um, why, um, who, every, every permutation, possible for the Celtic starting 11 going into Dundee. And I'm sure there's loads of things to consider, not just who's fit and available, uh, but also do you start or finish with the strongest team? Do you start or finish with a team, the lineup that you plan to play against Feyenoord? Because if you finish with it, then obviously they're going to get game time together if it's a partnership at centre-half. Um, they're Listen, I'm not quite sure if they are less likely to, to get injured, but you you kind of think it's a it's a way of protecting one or two players. So there's a lot of moving parts in this, and we will go through the entire start eleven. Thanks everybody for getting involved already in the comments. Um, if you do want to let us know what you think of that start eleven, then let us know in the comments section. And if you want to comment on YouTube, all you have to do is subscribe free of charge. We've got Susan Finlay. Welcome back to the show, Susan. Back to paradise at last. Didn't see that coming in the central defence, but that's why we are not football managers. 4 nothing to the boys. Um, let's maybe start then with the defence, and we'll start with the change, which is Nat Phillips makes his debut. We had um, John Gibbons from the Anfield Rap on a couple of weeks back talking about uh, Nat Phillips, what he could bring to this side. He's 26. He's got experience in the EPL and in the Champions League, Laura. There was an inevitability about his appearance today, wasn't there? And it was a question of who does he line up with? Yeah, I think, um, like you say, we've had we've had feedback from Ars- uh, Arsenal, Liverpool supporting um, colleagues, and uh, I've got Liverpool supporting friends in my my life who have said that he's he's fantastic footballer for Liverpool, so he'll he'll more than cope with with the level he'll be asked to play today, I'm sure. Um, but looking at that back four, um, I'm I'm not surprised that he's in, but I'm surprised who he's in at the expense of um, because Liam Scales had a fantastic game, don't get me wrong, against Rangers, probably his best in a Celtic shirt, to be honest. But I think if you'd asked most people, they might have said that uh, Phillips would come in for... Lager uh, for for skills instead of Lager Bielka, if only because 
it's it's probably more likely that Lagerbielk has got the long-term future at Celtic that Scales doesn't. But the other thing I wanted to consider maybe was whether we might put Scales at left-back and then have a centre-back pairing of, of Phillips and Lagerbielk. That would have been my sort of ideal choice uh, going into today. But, but you know, obviously Rogers still sees something in Taylor that, that he thinks he can do a job for him. And I guess it's the it's the nature of having the having the number of players at our disposal that we do have, you know, we've gone from a situation where we've got major players out injured in the defence to to actually having to debate about who gets on the park. So that's a good thing in and of itself. But yeah, the choice of who he replaced was more surprising than Phillips being there in the first place. Yeah, we were talking about the, the possibility that came up in this comment section. So please uh, come in with your thoughts because we do take them on board. Uh, Michael, the boy said that the other day, said... Um, you know, I don't think skills deserves to be dropped, but why drop Lagerbjelk? And and it was all about just shifting skills to the left back position. So that that is something we discussed going into the game. My partnership was Lagerbjelk and Phillips. That's what I thought, and my rationale behind it was that uh, skills did have the the game of his life in a Celtic jersey against Rangers at Ibrox. Um, and I spoke to JP on Thursday. I said to him, you know, if he gets dropped. Is that ruthless? And I think we both agreed that it probably would be ruthless. Um, but in terms of all the different uh, situations around that performance, for example, Laura, a week before, I thought it was really poor against St. Johnston mm. at home in the nothing each draw. I didn't think that Scales performed well in that game defensively. So I was trying to balance that up. Um, as I say, I took it for granted that Phillips would come in when fit and when ready. But I thought, again, like you say, Lagerbjelk does have more of a future, I feel, at Celtic than perhaps Liam Scales. But you know what? Scales is picked. That's that's the team. And uh, at left-back remains Greg Taylor. Now, what is it, do you think, about Taylor's performances this season um, that has us discussing the fact that he's maybe off-form? What do you think's caused that? Is it simply because we're not playing the rigid inverted full-backs that we did under Ange? I think... Uh, to put it very basically, he's had to defend a lot more this season than he's mm-hmm. had to do under Ange, and that is the weaker part of his game. Yeah, uh, as a fullback, uh, so often in the modern game, you're you're employed for what you are going forward. We see it very often with you know. There's a debate in England about whether actually Trent Alexander Arnold should just be a midfielder at this point because his his forward play is so so much better than his defensive play and, and Greg Taylor I'm not saying I'm not saying he's Trent Alexander Arnold but he fits into that category of of you know somebody who's found themselves a, 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 as a defender but in actual fact their skills maybe lend them more to I think I talked about earlier in the season whether there might be a place for him as a kind of uh, backup defensive midfielder or something like that because of the positions he had to occupy when he was doing the inverted fullback under Ange. Um, and I think the fact that he's playing more as an out-and-out defender uh, for, under Rodgers is exposing more of his weaknesses. And it, it's at that point that you have to look at it and go, this is nothing against Greg Taylor as a footballer, this is nothing against Greg Taylor as a person, but if he's not of the standard or of the ability that we need for the specific role that he's being asked to play, then we need to look at other options. That doesn't take away from what he's contributed to the to the club in the two or three years that he's been here, because it has been absolutely fantastic. 
You know, um, I agree with loads of that. And I, I have seen, I think, more of a return to the inverted role uh, over the last couple of games. And again, St. Johnston, as a team, we were poor as a whole unit. We, we were not that good. So I don't think that you could blame Taylor for that. He was just as bad as everybody else on about him, really. Um, and then against Rangers, it was a different type of game, Laura. And I don't think Taylor nor Turnbull, who's coming up in the comment section, stood out as having their best game. But again, talking to JP on Thursday, we both kind of agreed. You, you still wouldn't say that they had a bad game. You know, it's not as though if you were giving them marks out of 10, you'd give them a five. They were probably baseline. They were probably six, kind of average, mediocre game. Went without any kind of incident. Probably wouldn't merit a dropping. Um, but going into the Champions League, and this is something that Kevin Graham and I spoke about last week as well, um, I am still concerned with that area of the park because if Taylor gets an injury and I'm touching everybody where I can find here because we have been hammered with injuries this season, then you're looking at the squad, Laura, and you're thinking, who can play left back? And it goes back to the not the view of the 1980s and 90s, and it was always that quote, can he play left back? Because it was, we couldn't find a left back at the time. Um, the two options, of course, would be Liam Scales and Rio Atati. And I don't want to see Rio playing there either. I know that he played there against St. Johnson last season, got man in the match and scored two goals. But for me, he's, he's a playmaker. He's a guy that makes things happen in the middle of the park. So that's the biggest, for me, that's the biggest concern going into it. Uh, people will say, Taylor's not European class or Scales isn't European class. I don't think we've got a European class left back at the club. But what Kevin and I were talking about, Laura, and I want your thoughts on this one, is this is almost a legacy issue from Angie's second season recruitment. And I say Ange, but obviously it's Ange and the recruitment team. We went mm. out, we bought a left back, Alexandro Bernabe, and quite frankly, at this moment in time, he's not been good enough, right? So he was the guy we spent about four million quid on, and he's not been good enough. So this is almost a legacy issue. We go into the transfer market, and I'm pretty sure Brennan Rodgers would have liked a left-back coming into the football club. But then you're top-heavy on them. Just with one player coming in, you've then got three left-backs, one of whom is a £4 million player who's not going to play. So I think there is a legacy issue when you look at season two under Ange. The recruitment wasn't that great. Well, I think it's a, a long-standing issue for Celtic as a club that... Um... As, as much as we struggle to get players in, we also struggle to move players on a lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, if, if let's face it, as good as a game as he had against Rangers, if we were able to move players on efficiently, Liam Skills would no longer be at the football club. He was one foot out the door to Aberdeen and for whatever reason, financial or otherwise, it didn't happen. And so we've ended up in a situation where um, rather than upgrading that position, we're relying on him coming back when you thought he had no future at the club. Um, part of the left-back argument, I'm sure Brendan was looking for a left-back to upgrade on what was already there, but I'm sure the club will have made them aware that we can't have anybody coming in unless one of either Taylor or Burnaby leaves, preferably Burnaby, obviously, but whatever one you could get off your books. But, you know, if you're if you're running the... the the club even remotely responsibly you can't just throw money at, at new signings coming in and, and keep an excess squad on massive wages and and have it as bloated as it is because they've got to be contributing to the on the field success in order for them to be a worthwhile investment so um, 
Yeah, I think I think that's been the sticking point for the left back situation. I'm sure we had identified and probably had lined up somebody to come in who who Rogers would have felt was an upgrade on what was already here. But it was getting rid of one of the two of them that I think probably proved a stumbling block. Yeah, I, I look at this. By the way, this isn't me uh, after the fact then saying I'm going to have a dig at Ange Postecoglou. Absolutely not. We won the treble last year, but the the squad that Ange won the treble with has been depleted. And it's been depleted because three of the guys left, or in Moy's case, retired. Then we had this injury crisis, and it is a crisis. I mean, you, you've never seen anything quite like it, the amount of injuries that we've had. And then this season signings, Laura, although there's been many of the players come in, not all of them have, to use that overused phrase, hit the ground running. So then you're looking at season two signings to then start to come into their own, and you ask yourself how many of them are. Well, Johnston is at right back because he's one of the first names in the team sheet when he's fit. Oh, probably wouldn't have been expected to displace Kyogo from the team at this stage. So his uh, development, I think, is probably as expected. But beyond that, I'm thinking most of the players at the moment, and I'm not writing them off completely, haven't actually impressed. So you would be looking at, let's say, Awata or Kobayashi or Seagrist even or Bernabe to have made a, an impact at this stage, and none of them have. So I think we're suffering a wee bit from that. And then it's going to take a wee while for us to bed in the new recruits, uh, some of whom are on the bench today. And we'll be having a wee look at that bench because it would be interesting to see them in action. Green, Lichty, always a pleasure. Only surprise for you is that Turnbull is still in. We're going to be talking about David Turnbull and Tony uh, Daverin. Look at that away strip. That away strip has aged like a fine wine, Laura. Isn't it? That's a cracker. It's, do you know what? You know, I've got... I've got a shirt of that kit and the bit that you would think makes it really bad that actually makes it amazing is see the round collar with the proper collar over the top. That is like unique and I, I really, really like it. The, the pattern is you're not going to be missed walking down London Road in it, that's for sure. But uh, but yeah, it's one of those ones that probably at the time everybody was a bit like, oof, but now it's it's a classic, I think. That was a bit of an Archie McPhersonism there. Oof, oof. It, was a, it was a bit of that when it came out. I remember it. I remember getting it um, at the time as well because it came out really late in the season. It came out for Christmas, that top. Uh, it looks like a Christmas jersey, actually. Jungle Lion, it's about Celtic. It's about Celtic, about time Celtic turned on the style. Today would be a good start. I like that thinking. Um, yeah, I, I think so. When, when we go into these games, um, you're not expecting like ha- what happened against St. Johnston for it to be a nothing each. Um, even Ross County and Oatman Day wasn't kind of perfect, Laura. We, we haven't really quite got into that groove, into that rhythm yet. And I totally agree with Jungle Line. You kind of want to have that in your locker going into Tuesday night's game as well. I, I think it's difficult. It's difficult for Brennan because... The way you play Dundee at home is completely different to the way you play at Feyenoord away uh, in the Champions League. But at the same time, you want to work on partnerships, for example. You want to test out the centre-half partnership who's going to be playing over in Rotterdam. So you've got to play them, for example. Um, You're looking at the midfield, you're thinking, right, maybe I want to play Hatati in Rotterdam, but can I start him because he's been injured? So I think it's been there's never been a week where we've just gone in and there there was the old... um, there was an old story that Bill Shankly used to go into the dressing room at Liverpool, Laura, and say, right, same team as last week. That's what he would say. And Rodgers has not had that kind of luxury, has he? There's always been dilemmas. Listen, it, it's 
football cliches are cliches for a reason and partnerships is a, is one of the big football cliches, whether it's a striking partnership or a centre-back partnership or a midfield partnership. The reason that cliche exists is because there's something to be said for um, consistently playing together with the same players. And obviously you've got to allow for um, a, an element of rotation, especially if you're trying to, to fight on all domestic fronts and make progress in Europe. If you manage to do all of that, you're going to play upwards of 60 games a season. So you can't have... Um, the same exact team every single week, but the core of it should be the same. Um, mm. And I think that's maybe part of the reason we haven't hit the ground running, running under Rodgers is because I don't think he has identified that core. He's maybe not even had the chance to because of the injuries. Um, you, you suspect that that perhaps Rocky and um, Carter Vickers would have been the centre-back pairing of choice if they'd both been available. Um, you'd certainly have thought McGregor, O'Reilly and Hatati would have remained the midfield three um, if they'd all been fit. Um, so that core um, is something that's been robbed of them and probably robbed them of the chance to um, build some momentum. But, you know, you... you, you you play the, the cards you're dealt in this situation and you have to just go with, with what's going on. Um, and certainly, um, as the commenter said, uh, I would like to see Celtic turn on the style today if for no other reason than it kind of makes the, the win at Ibrox a little bit pointless if we don't use that as a springboard and a platform now. Like if we if we can get between now and Christmas and not lose another league game, for example, then then the kind of shaky start to the season is going to seem like a very long time ago. Um, and this has got to be the first step on on building that now because, listen, I'll take a win over Rangers in any circumstance, but it's the, the league isn't won at Ibrox or Celtic Park against them. It's, it's one in the other, however many, 35 games of the season. It is. It's a cautionary tale. I always remember the game, 3 nothing at Celtic Park, where we absolutely blitzed them. It was uh, Common scored a goal from distance that kind of mm. swerved both ways past McGregor and goals. 3 nothing. we absolutely hammered that them. One, yep. And the atmosphere was brilliant. And it was um, the following week we went to Fur Park and they beat us 2-1. Yeah. So yeah. you're absolutely right. You can cancel out that brilliant uh, result, the one that you think is going to set you on your way, but turning up for a game like this and not actually... Uh, getting the job done. As we're talking about the defence, we're moving into midfield in a wee second, Laura, but as we're talking about the defence, um, Champions League squad, I think uh, Novroski is a slightly different case because it's clearly his injury is a wee bit more severe than we first expected. But Seagrass, Bernabe and uh, Yoki Kobayashi are not in the Champions League squad. And you, you ask yourself the question, what does it mean for their futures at Celtic Park? And, and quite frankly, for those three players... I think it's a January departure. I think for two of them, you might be able to argue that there are other players in their position who um, maybe come ahead of them. And so you only need a certain number in the squad. But I think for Burnaby specifically, when he's the only other natural left back at the club and yet he's still not included, that's that's a real damning Mm-hmm. indictment of, of where the manager sees him and his plans um, so I don't think it fares well for any of the three of them to be honest and I think you're right it probably will signal a, a January exit for the three of them but I think of I think of all of them the one that it tells you the most about is Burnaby for me because um, like I said he would 
surely have been considered the automatic backup left back unless unless Scales is now taking that on as a kind of versatile player across the mm-hmm. back four, maybe, um, which is probably what where Rogers' mind is going. Um, but Burnaby, you know, we've seen enough and heard enough about off the pitch issues that he's had to suggest that his attitude's maybe not there and um you know, you do your best to help a young player with that type of situation, especially coming and living on the other side of the world. But at the end of the day, there's a there's a professional job to be done and there's only so much can be done in that situation. And I think he's been given the opportunities that he could be afforded mm. and hasn't taken them either off the pitch or on the pitch. And you only get so many chances at a club the size of Celtic before they say, we've got to, we've got to look elsewhere. Yeah, you're spot on with that. And the the one thing about Seagrist that might have uh, been working against him was the homegrown rule and, and Bain gets mm. the shout because he's mm. the homegrown player as a backup. But I think that speaks volumes for Burnaby, whereby, you know, is left-back Liam Scales' favoured position? I remember him talking about being a left-sided centre-half when he came in and we interviewed him as part of the press conference. Rio Tati certainly is not a natural left-back, but when you look at that situation, our first-choice left-back is Scottish home homegrown and all this. Um, Burnaby has got, looking at that situation, there's, there's no positives to take from it. It's not as if he, he can say, like Seagrest, oh, well, you know, it's a homegrown player that's in front of me to make the quota. No, you've got two other guys. You, one whose um, homegrown attributes were through Ireland, the other was through the Japanese league. So, no, I, I don't see a future for him. And as you say, I think he's had plenty um, ch- sufficiency of chances. Um, Joe Hart and goals, of course. Alison Johnson at right back. He has just slotted right back into that position. And he's a massive player for us, I thought, even against Rangers. He was right back to what we expect from him, AJ. Yeah, I mean, he's he's no-nonsense in the best way. I think no-nonsense is sometimes a kind of derogatory term that you use for a footballer when you're suggesting that they don't have a really high skill level, but they kind of go in hard on tackles and stuff like that. I mean, no-nonsense for, for Alistair Johnston in the terms of you're never concerned that he's not going to give you a performance. You're never concerned about his mental state going into a game. You're never concerned that you're going to see him and go, he's having an off day today. He is the consummate professional and, you know, of all the games I wanted him back for, I wanted him back for that game of I- at Ibrooks because he talks about how much he loves that and that atmosphere. And I just love players who don't see a, a, an atmosphere in a situation like that as a pressure. I love players who thrive on that and he's certainly one of them. Um, I was concerned actually um, that... He might be one of the first ones that, that Ange would come in for um, for going to Tottenham because I think he's at that level, personally. Um, but but I'm glad that we've still got him for as long as we are going to have him because, if I'm completely honest, you know, Kyogo aside, probably, because he's the guy that scores the goals and we all love him, I would say Alistair Johnson's up there in terms of maybe being one of my favourite, if not my, my favourite player at the club just now. Aye, he's got that quality though. We we were talking during the week about the death of the cult icon because he doesn't hit all the data criteria, uh, Laura. And sometimes it's just like the the cult icon, the flair player, the the guy that does something unexpected 
uh, as you say, the no-nonsense player. As soon as you say no-nonsense, I think of the John Smith bitter adverts yeah. with Peter Kay. But you're right, it's not about that. It's about stepping up and always stepping up, no matter who the opposition is or what the scenario is. By the way, just before I move on, um, someone does say in the comment section, so Ange bought a few does. Listen, he did, but I'm not saying, how can you possibly uh, criticise his tenure at the club? I'm not trying to, um, certainly not after the fact. He was sensational for Celtic. But, you know, with hindsight, you look back on the transfer record and season one was far, far better than season two. Um, now, that might have been, a big part of that might have been because Ange isn't here to continue with the development programmes that he had for some of these players. I mean, he obviously identified Kobayashi, for example, or I couldn't say if he identified Burnaby or Seagrest. I don't know what his knowledge of the Argentinian game is, um, but you know for sure that Kobayashi was one of his kind of identified players. And he might have had a... And a Wata, who I do feel a bit sorry for, he might have had a different kind of progress and development plan for these players. A new manager comes in. That's affected it. I take all that into account. Very quickly before I move on, though, Laura, um, Big Ange, uh, people might say, shut up about him, he's not here. But he was obviously nominated for quite a prestigious award. And I asked the question, um, would he have been nominated for that if he was still at Celtic? What do you think? I know it was uh, his performances whilst manager of Celtic, but would he have got the nomination? No. No. Uh, his I mean, profile's gone stratospheric since he's left and gone to Spurs. Yeah, I've, I've watched enough documentaries and read enough books about FIFA to know that there are very few avenues and spheres of football that they pay attention to, England being one of them. Um, yeah. They... They will be doing, I, I think the nomination will be as much to curry favour with certain aspects of the football and fraternity as anything. And okay, they'll use, it's convenient for them that he had the success he had at Celtic um, and that they can legitimately nominate him for that. But no, I, I think if he was still Celtic manager, they wouldn't consider that a... a, a a possibility and the reason I say that is because listen Ange is probably my favourite Celtic manager of my lifetime but and I can't believe I'm going to say this but he's done one treble and been nominated mm-hmm. Brendan Rodgers did the guts of four and didn't get nominated so uh, I, I think there's, there's as with everything FIFA-related, there's an element of politics, there's an element of spin, there's an element of... There's reasons other than football and reasons why he's been nominated. And while I take some element of pride from seeing him recognised for the work that he did at our football club, I'm not under any illusions that, um, that there are other factors at play, let's put it that way. And to be honest... You'll be delighted to have been nominated, but if anybody but Pep wins it this year, uh, that's that's a crime. Um, and folk in the chat are going to be, oh, Pep this, Pep that. Just for the avoidance of doubt, I am a fully paid up Pep disciple and I do not apologise. Did you used to wear Pepe jeans in the 80s? Um, couldn't walk in the 80s, so I didn't really have jeans on, so... <laughs> Sorry, Laura. I should be apologising <laughs> myself because I'm ancient. Right. Uh, midfield, all the chats around Turnbull. He's joined um, O'Reilly and McGregor. I had suggested maybe Hatati, but I can understand why you'd maybe bring Hatati on for 30 35. And it would not surprise me if that happened if Hatati started on Tuesday night. I know you're a massive fan of Turnbull. He has had a bit of a topsy turvy, topsy, topsy turvy season, though, hasn't he? 
ups and downs already. Listen, I, I, I'm a big proponent of what he does, and I do think he doesn't get appreciated for some of the less glamorous side of the the, the game that he does. But uh, some of his performances this season have merited, uh, maybe not the level of criticism that he's had, but they've let, they've they've merited the concern that people have about his ongoing inclusion because. While I think he's probably right in a lot of circumstances, he definitely does slow our play down. And if we're looking to kind of blow teams away with this kind of swashbuckling football that we want, then then he's maybe not the right fit for that. But I mean, I, I don't subscribe to the suggestion that he's quite as bad as people seem to think he is. Um, and I personally like what he brings to the team. I like the fact that he's always a threat for a forward going pass. I, I like the fact that unlike a lot of players, he likes to take a shot from outside the box. Um, and 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 also he's a set piece threat as well, which we don't have an awful lot of in the team at the moment. So um, I can understand people's um, misgivings about it. I was surprised to see him on the team sheet today, but I'm not. I'm not. You know, pulling my hair out at it either. Um, although I can understand some people's uh, suggestion that that might be the case, I, I hope, as I hope with every Celtic player, that he goes on and has the performance that I know he's capable of. Um, but you know, if he's if he's posted missing today, or if he if he makes high profile mistakes that are going to get more people on his back, then you've got to argue whether it's right to to take him out the firing line in that that instance. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Midas JP I'm guessing that's PJ only responds to comments and I'm not sure who you're quoting that are up to Axon standards did you know that Laura? Just a fun fact um, well you've replied to this one and it's a pretty rubbish comment so you've kind of disproved <laughs> there's the irony point. there's the irony listen on the comments I bring up comments based on the comment that's what you need to know um, nobody's chucking me bungs. There's no thrillers in the manilas. It's not happening. Um, and and by the way, when you look at the comments, there's often a thousand comes through in an hour. And I'm I'm, I'm talking to Laura as well at the same time. So, you know, make your and points. And I am that engaging, obviously. Of course you are. Of course you are. Make your points. And um, yes, if they catch my eye, then I'll bring them up. It's as simple as that. But yeah, Axon standards, not quite sure what that is. Uh, when we go up up top, I had suggested Yang would be the um, the choice for me because he does give you something a wee bit different from a badder who's injured and also made on the wing. And it sounds pretty simplistic, but he likes to take on a man. He can change the dynamic of the game by taking out one or two of their players. We don't have many wingers who can actually do that, Laura. No, um, it's it's really seen as a weakness of a few of our other wingers. Games, you know, James Forrest is at an aging stage now where he might have been able to do that at one time, but he isn't anymore. Abada, obviously, out injured as long as he is, but he wouldn't be somebody you would class as someone that takes on a player and beats them. So, so Yang for me is an exciting one because he's one of those guys that gets on the ball and and you're on the edge of your seat when he's moving forward because you don't know who he's going to try and take it past. But yeah, I'm I'm glad to see him in from the start and see what he can do. Um, Maeda, I had an interesting thought about Maeda actually. Um, I he played through the middle quite a lot during preseason and and was pretty lethal. And I think sometimes he gets a little bit too much time and space out wide to think. And we all know Maeda's um, 
most likely to have a howler when he's got time and space to think. Whereas if he was in the middle, kind of reacting and acting on his instincts, he might be a bit more lethal. And I wondered if it was just maybe a chance to um, give Kyogo a little bit of a rest from the start today because of the demands that will be placed on him during the week and, mm-hmm. and go with Maeda through the middle and, and somebody else out left. But, you know... Um, uh, maybe to go back to a point we were talking about earlier, um, Brendan just wants to keep building that momentum that has started with the last couple of games, and that's why he's stuck with two of the of the three up front that he's had for most of the season. Yeah, the, the huddle has just broken. Celtic are about to get the uh, the game underway. Ross County actually are no Ross County aren't playing today, are they? Dundee are though. Um, <laughs> so they're about to take centre and get the action underway. Laura, we will be back at half time for fifteen minutes to talk about the first half. Thanks everybody for getting involved, and thank you once again to Laura Bradburn for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Network.